<laughs> is this working? I haven't done this in a while, so all my settings are a little off. But I think this is working. What's going on, y'all? Welcome in. Welcome back. Happy Monday. Happy Monday. Feels good to be back at it. After like a month off. <laughs> Thanks for being patient and uh, tuning back in. To those of you who actually care about the stream and do watch this stream regularly, I am sorry. Um, tonight might be short, might be long, kind of depends on y'all, whoever's here or shows up live, asking questions or commenting. Uh, got something to talk about at the end, it's a little life, life updates, a little confession time at the end here. But uh, we're just going to read my blog I wrote this past couple days, end of last week. Uh, about, you know, the latest viral commo commotion. <laughs> the latest little little debate in uh, my circles last week. Um, and just read my blog, which are my thoughts about it. Share some extra thoughts, maybe. Answer any questions y'all have for me about it. Um, and then, yeah, again, just discuss some life stuff going on. And uh, a little confession time. And explanation time. You know? So... We're live. We're a few minutes early. Got two people here. What's up? What's up? Thanks for tuning in. Um, yeah. So, and I'll pop these pictures up for you watching. Um, the pictures that I put on the blog. So we have here, you know, before I start reading my blog here. Uh, the Atlantic last year posted this. Emily Oster, writer for The Atlantic, posted a... Uh, an interesting little article on the Atlantic called Let's Declare a Pandemic Amnesty. And of course, you know, everyone's reactions right away are to meme it and just be like, no, no thanks, nah, you threatened to put me in camps, no way. <laughs> Best I can do is military tribunals, <laughs> you know. There was some funny little memes going around, but for the most part, I saw a lot of Christians just being very hostile, right? A lot of my friends, a lot of the fam out there is being pretty hostile and negative and aggressive, you know, in response to this. So just wanted to cover it and talk about it with my own thoughts. But uh, yeah, if you can't see it, it's the little picture of the little article. It says, we need to forgive one another for what we did and said when we were in the dark about COVID. And I love that she put that phrase in the dark in a lot of ways. So I read my blog here. I start off by saying... Uh, so the enemy now wants amnesty. <laughs> and we'll get into that. We'll get into the enemy. The enemy now wants amnesty. When these secular-minded folks were in the dark, quote-unquote, about the pandemic, they said or even did some very nasty things to those who happened to disagree with them on lifestyle choices. For over two years, these people sought to control their fellow man and impose punishments for noncompliance. It got nasty and mean, Immoral and outright, outright wicked at times. Many tried to implement a vaccine passport program to restrict travel and access to resources, even going so far as to advocate for sending non-compliant people away to internment camps for refusing to participate in an experimental gene therapy injection. Far too many of these tyrannical-minded people went so far as to wish death upon their neighbors refusing to comply with nonsense like wearing masks, socially distancing, or closing down their businesses and churches. Those who were angry and scared wanted to impose any and all consequences upon those who were not also angry 
or scared. The mob of madmen refused to let other people not join them in their madness, and it drove them even further into the dark, quote unquote. And I put this, this was an interesting little debate. I'm not going to read them all, but you know, just in general, it's a giant list of what they, quote unquote, they, whoever that is, right? They is, more often than not, they is us. <laughs> so just, I always like to think of it as that. When someone says they, 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 over and over again. They closed your businesses. They closed your schools. They closed your beaches. Really, at the end of the day, that just means us. They is us, right? They is our neighbors. They is us. It's society. It's us. We are composed of this, right? And sometimes it is a quote-unquote they group that you can specifically call out and point to, right? You can name names on particular groups that do this. But when someone makes a list like this that says they closed your businesses, they closed your schools, they closed your churches, they closed your beaches, etc., 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 that was really us. <laughs> we closed our businesses. We closed our schools. We closed our churches. And there was many out there that didn't. There were schools that didn't close. There were churches that didn't close. There are beaches that didn't close. You know, it's like we had the choice to do all that stuff. So this is getting just me rambling about this. I'll leave that picture up if you want to read it. Um, back to the blog. I wrote, we now we have now seemingly reached the ending stages of the PSYOP commonly referred to as COVID-19 and can look back at what happened with more clarity. The mask wearing and social distancing proved to be ineffective. The business closures caused irreparable damage to many millions of people and the economy at large. The vaccines did not work and even caused a lot of physical harm, even widespread death. Uh, hundreds of thousands at this point in time, deaths that is, commonly hidden from the public with phrases involving words like mysteriously, quote unquote, or suddenly, quote unquote. You know, a lot of, lot of sudden deaths these days. A lot of mysterious deaths of young people these days, you know. Um, people who happen to put mysterious chemicals into their body recently, you know. But it's just so mysterious. It's so sudden and unexpected, right? But those who promoted and even demanded these prescriptions now seek amnesty for their actions without any form of apology provided. They want others to forget the way they behaved. They call for forgiveness from others without repenting for what they have done. They want us all to just move along as if nothing of consequence actually happened, as if no one was harmed by what they said or did, as if no one should be punished for the evils committed. These people for the most part have not had a change of heart. They just want to avoid taking personal responsibility and will use whatever tactics or resources are, are available for them to do so. They will use anything they can to avoid the personal responsibility, right? And that's just a that's just a that's a pandemic of just people in general these days in all in all areas of their life, right? Avoiding personal responsibility, blaming others, being a victim, right? And using whatever you can at your disposal to get out of taking that personal responsibility and avoiding the consequences that you that you deserve. Another little pick here, you know, it's kind of similar to what we're talking about, but you know, obviously there's one group burning another group. <laughs> um, obviously playing on the Salem witch trials. R.I.P. My grandparents who died in the Salem witch trials. 
Margaret, Martha, and Giles Corey. Shout out to my ancestors. Hope you're doing well in the afterlife. <laughs> um, well, there's a little cartoon here. It says, oops, turns out they weren't witches after all. You know, as they're already burning women. Supposedly convicted of being witches. Then says, uh, mistakes were made on both sides. Which seems to be the uh, talking points we're kind of going into now. You know, I was... It was a heated debate. We were in the dark. We didn't know what was going on. You know, everyone, yeah, we had two different sides, but we both made mistakes. We both were wrong, right? And that's usually what happens. That's usually the type of argument framed by someone who is actually wrong. Who <laughs> is actually in the dark, quote unquote. Who is actually the one who made the mistakes, right? They like to say that both sides. Really, it was both of us, not just me. You know, again, not taking personal responsibility. And words do, in fact, matter. And there is a big difference between amnesty and forgiveness. This, again, this article, the first time I saw it, just jumped out at me. This word amnesty really jumped out at me. Um, and, of course, the word forgiveness is used in the article itself, kind of almost interchangeably. But words do, in fact, matter, and these have very different meanings. Amnesty is a form of pardon for people who have committed crimes or done what is wrong. It is a free pass given to someone who deserves punishment for what they have done. However, forgiveness is letting go of our anger towards another's sin and letting go of the pain someone has caused us. Forgiveness is not at all forgetting what another person did or did not do that was wrong. It is not excusing deliberate crimes or sinful behavior. It is not giving a free pass for people to be knowingly evil and spread wickedness to others. As believers in Christ and followers of him, we are clearly called to forgive our neighbors as we ourselves have been forgiven for our own crimes and our own rebellion against God. We are called by Christ to forgive not only the people we like or agree with, but all of the people who have harmed us. We are called to consciously and deliberately decide to release feelings of resentment or vengeance towards the people who cause us pain, regardless of our feelings about the injustice or fairness of doing so. We are called to forgive all who ask for forgiveness, those who admit what they did was wrong and show a repentant heart for whatever wrongs they committed. And, strangely enough, and as tough as it is to do so, we are called to forgive even our enemies who know not what they do. In scripture, we mostly see calls for forgiveness involving our brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, those with regener regenerated hearts who continue to make mistakes and fall short of the glory of God while on their sanctification process. But in some instances, like while Jesus was in the process of being crucified, we see spiritual forgiveness for non-believers and unrepentant sinners modeled for us. Again, in some instances, like while Jesus was in the process of being crucified, we see spiritual forgiveness for non-believers and unrepentant sinners modeled for us. Right? And, you know, I don't want to go back to, well, yeah. <laughs> we'll get into it, right? We'll, we'll, we'll carry on. We'll get into it. But for the most part, 
forgiveness quotes, if you see scripture forgiveness quotes, a lot of it's taken out of context. I mean, you can look up a list of like 20 times what Christians are called to forgive. Um, most of those, when you read the context, are actually calls for Christians to forgive their brothers and sisters, their fellow Christians. And we're going to get into that. We're going to talk about that here in my article. And then later on, when I need to confess some stuff, right? We're going to talk about this. But as we'll see here, there are moments where we are called to forgive even non-believers or forgive to call people who know not what they do, right? The pagan Roman soldiers who are actively torturing and killing the only one who ever did not deserve to be punished, humiliated or executed, the only one who was ever perfect and sinless, those people were still forgiven anyways for their ignorance, right? If anything, shouldn't those people deserve the fire and brimstone, the wrath, the full wrath of God, right? However, Jesus looked at them, loved them anyways, and forgave them. They were blindly obeying the will of Satan and were forgiven still for not fully understanding the evils that they were participating in. We are to pray for our enemies for them to have a change of spirit and to turn away from their rebellion against righteousness, we are to forgive them and even rejoice when God softens their hearts and convicts them of their sins. But there are enemies of ours who do not deserve amnesty for their attempts to spread wickedness and commit deliberate acts of evil against others. Those who actively seek to confuse, disrupt, destroy, defile, corrupt, and even kill what is good, true, and beautiful are not deserving of our love or forgiveness or our amnesty, right? They deserve to be prayed for regardless. They also need to be understood as people who still have a chance to repent, but they are undeserving of our amnesty until they make the decision to end their active support of evil and choose to instead obey our God and his righteousness. First John Chapter 1, verses 5 through 10 read, This is the message we have heard from him and announced to you, that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus his Son cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous, so that he will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. The purpose of Christ's sacrifice was to allow for salvation afforded to us all, for every one of our sins. When we believe, we repent, we obey, and we forgive. We understand as believers that when our rebellion against God ended and repentance for our sins occurred, we were welcomed back into his glorious eternal kingdom. We must also understand that those who decide to end their rebellion against God and repent for their sins will also be forgiven by their Father in heaven, and therefore must also be forgiven by us, no matter how heinous their crimes 
or how wrong they were. But the active children of the lie who closed our churches and businesses, attempted to put masks on our faces and poisons in our bodies, who wished harm and death upon those of us who refused to comply with their evil, must be forgiven without question if their hearts ever do change. When that evil spirit leading them to believe in lies and behave so wickedly is vanquished and released, when our true enemy no longer has a grip over their minds and hearts, we must be quick to forgive them and eager to rejoice in the renewing of their soul. Until then, there will be no amnesty afforded to unregenerated hearts seeking to avoid penalties. But there will be endless forgiveness for all those who turn away from the lies, the falsehoods, and a love of what is evil, who instead make the conscious decision to turn towards the truth, the peace, and the love that comes only from our Creator. We will forgive as the Lord forgives. We will provide the useful idiots with grace as he does also. We will not excuse or forget the workings of Satan, the source of all evil, who works most effectively in the dark, right? In the darkness. And those who knowingly participate in his wicked schemes. Luke 6.37 reads, But love your enemies and do good, and lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great. And you will be sons of the Most High, for he himself is kind to ungrateful and evil people. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. And do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Pardon, and you will be pardoned. About the last pick. So this was a powerful little pick, right? About forgiveness. If you're just listening, if you can't see it for some reason, you know, it's two men hugging. One, uh, I can't, what are the facial expressions? One is sad. He has arrows sticking out of his back. The other is almost kind of like in a state of shock. Kind of also sad. Holding a bow, right? With a quiver full of those same arrows. You know, pretty pretty clearly depicting that one person was attacking the other. And the person being attacked, regardless of being shot, you know, what, four times in the back with arrows? Still turned around. Hugged him. Loved him anyways. Forgave him for what he did to him, right? And the person is uh, no longer attacking, right? He's embracing in a hug. His uh, bow is in a uh, prone position. That was a beautiful little painting of forgiveness. And, you know, there's just, it's a tricky tricky topic to tackle because it would take like three streams to really dive into all the components of it. But just simply, you know, people who are sinners, right, are deserving of our forgiveness. And I've made a practice of just, as Jesus modeled, forgiving them anyways, not only when they are in their ignorance, but just anyways, just all of them. The people who don't apologize, the people who don't repent, the unregenerated hearts out there, I've just learned to forgive them anyways. That's my phrase, right? There's a difference between amnesty, though. You know, pardoning them on a physical level. Like, we have prisons for a reason. Like, people are to be punished for their crimes and removed from society for a reason, right? You can forgive the person who just murdered people, right? You know, that powerful moment when the... Um, 
I'm blanking on the kid's name, but that, you know, quote unquote racist white kid that walked into the church and shot a bunch of black people and um, somewhere, was it North Carolina, South Carolina? You know, the family members of the, of the people who were slain forgave him, right? They still wanted him in prison. They still wanted him to get help for, the, for what he did on a physical level. You know, there was not just a complete pardon for him. He wasn't released back in back into society as if his crimes weren't crimes, right? He was still punished physically. He's in jail. He'll probably be in jail for the rest of his life, if not executed. But the family members of those he slain looked him in his eyes and forgave him anyways. They prayed for him, right? They, he, they knew that he knew not what he really did. They knew he didn't really know what he was doing, right? And in the COVID scenario, like you get some person that's just... You know, for the most part, these people who are very into the vaccine, very into masks, very into lockdowns and shutdowns or whatever, you know, the quote unquote, they who shut your stuff down, right? They, the, the they that shut your churches and closes down, which were just kind of like your neighbors, your uh, fellow members at your church, right? Your, uh, your peers, your friends, your classmates, your, you know, your, your coworkers, they quote unquote, who did all this craziness during the pandemic, um, they, for the most part, acted out of ignorance, right? They were scared. They were angry. They they believed what that what the TV screens told them. They reacted out of their anger and out of their fear. Like I said, like they wanted people to be just as scared and angry as them. And so those of us who weren't scared and angry, those of us who don't overreact, those of us who wanted to just continue going to church and grocery stores like normal <laughs> wanted to just live life normally without fear right those of us who didn't want to put experimental gene therapy chemicals into our body right an experimental gene therapy um experiment didn't want to take part in that <laughs> there's most people i'm gonna say i'm gonna make the claim most people in that category um they reacted that way because they were just ignorant they truly believe that these were the right things to do. They truly believe people were in danger. They truly believe that the solution was social distancing, closing places down, staying at home, lockdowns, quarantining, you know, putting masks on their face, making sure other people had masks on their face as well. You know, taking the taking the vaccine, making sure others took the vaccine, you know. These people, for the most part, acted out of ignorance. They just believed the people on their screens. Why would they lie to us? Why would they deceive us, right? And they just kind of went along with it out of fear, out of fear and out of weakness and cowardice, right? And these people should be forgiven, right? I I don't know about giving amnesty. I don't know if you can make the argument that someone who committed a crime who didn't know it was a crime should still be forgiven or not. Um, that's not a debate I necessarily want to get into on like that physical legal level. But on a spiritual level, these person absolutely deserve our forgiveness. And Christ modeled it for us perfectly as he was being unfairly tortured by non-believing <laughs> pagan Roman soldiers. His enemy was, was crucifying him brutally, embarrassing him and torturing him. And he looked at him and forgave him anyways. Lord, have mercy on them. They know not what they do, right? Now, the people who knew this was bad right the people who knew these vaccines were dangerous and harmful questionable at best dangerous and harmful for the most part and deadly at times um 
people who knew that, who were putting people on ventilators and remdesivir and causing all this insane amount of unprecedented death, <laughs> right? Sorry to laugh, but it's like, you know, these people who went along with the program for money, for power, for status, so they could keep their stuff, so they could gain more stuff, right? So they could be rich and keep their wealth, or um, they're in so much debt that they can't they can't stand up for what they believe in. These people who knew better and refused to act on that, these people who, who personally profited at the expense of others, these people are just evil and they're wicked. And there's no amnesty for these people, right? If you knew better, if you didn't take the vaccine and yet you're going out there and you're injecting people or you're telling people, you're getting on platforms and telling people they should be injecting themselves, you're going to your family, your friends, your coworkers and saying, hey, have you gotten the shot yet? You really should. You should make sure you get two and the booster while you know full well that it's harmful and dangerous and you're not taking it yourself. That's wicked. That's evil. And those people, honestly, biblically, don't really deserve our forgiveness, right? And they sure don't deserve amnesty, like on a legal, physical level, right? However, me personally, me, not necessarily biblically, but me personally, I've made a, a habit of just forgiving them anyways as well, right? Because it is hard for me to judge their heart. And it's probably hard for everyone out there, if not every single other person out there. It's hard to know and tell if these people are acting out of ignorance they're acting because they they're acting this way this hysterical way you know these covidians these branch covidians or whatever whatever nickname or pejorative you want to give them did these people act crazy and hysterically did they want to send people to like internment camps and forcibly inject people and make sure that people were wearing their masks and shutting down their businesses were they doing this because they were scared or were they doing this because they were personally profiting off of it and they knew full well what was going on and who am I to judge their heart, right? I don't know their heart on that. I know they're wrong. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they're wrong. But are they wrong because of their ignorance or are they wrong on purpose, right? And for me, I've just made a practice of forgiving them all anyways, spiritually. Just letting go of my own anger and resentment towards them. And praying for them anyways, no matter what, in either scenario. But biblically, these people are not to be given amnesty. And honestly, they're not really supposed to be forgiven anyways. They're supposed to be prayed for. They're supposed to be loved anyways. They're supposed to be served anyways, healed anyways, right? But we are actually not called to forgive those people, those wicked and evil people, the, the willing participants in sat satanic schemes, right? The, uh, the actual servants of Satan, our enemies, right? So I just thought that was weird. So I wanted to address that, talk about that a little bit. Write a little blog about it. Make my little comeback on my on my live stream talking about this. Um, because it is also going to feed into what we're going to talk about in a minute here. No one in the chat. A couple people here live. Thank you for tuning in. Now or later. Um, yeah. Is the music too low now? I feel like it was really loud earlier and now it might be too low. Got the uh, Chill Hop Sunday mix on. On a Monday. So, yeah, my life lately has been pretty crazy. Sorry I haven't been here. <laughs> it's been wild and crazy in, in great ways, in stressful ways, in regretful ways, um, in beneficial ways, right? 
Work has been pretty challenging, pretty busy, but also just rewarding and generally good for me, right? Thriving through the struggle, right? Been spending all my free time outside of my pretty much like weekly 50-hour work weeks, working out a lot, lifting weights pretty seriously, making uh, some real muscle gains for the first time in my life, like really and truly, and finally losing weight. Like I said, I would be for like two years now. Finally making progress, my dudes. Um, hopefully in January, I'm going to have some some dudes on that I know that are pretty, uh, pretty physically fit, know their stuff. We're going to talk about life as a man who takes, you know, getting his body in, right, <laughs> getting his body right in the right ways, but also spiritual, like in a spiritual sense, not just for looks and for personal earthly gains but um why being fit and in shape is good for you spiritually right on a higher level with a higher purpose um, i am down 40 pounds now 40 pounds since february so i want to track tracking my progress I, my goal was to lose 75 pounds in uh i think february 2nd or february 3rd i made a goal a one-year goal of losing 75 pounds while also keeping or gaining muscle at the same time. So far I've done that and I'm down 40, so I'm over halfway there, but we're also past the halfway mark in time. So that's why I've been hitting the gym a little bit extra, you know, going a little bit harder, being a little bit smarter about my diet, about my replenishing, I'm learning about like how to replenish. I'm learning about the right timing. I couldn't go hard and heavy to begin with, not to end with, right? right way to do cardio etc like i'm really diving deep into how to be fit and healthy and strong as a man right so outside of all that i'm spending you know what little time i have over between 50 hour work weeks and um working out a bunch uh doing like side hustle jobs and outside of that been going to bible study groups church fellowship opportunities with my brothers and sisters in christ so my life has just been really busy. <laughs> I know everyone's life is busy, right? My life was really busy and, you know, it will continue for a little while, but uh, I will make sure to carve out a little bit more time than I have been able to for uh, these streams and for my blogs and for social media stuff, for good news for my dudes, streams, um, you know. Carve, make sure we carve out a little bit more time on that. I know there are many of you out there who do enjoy what I do and have benefited from some of it or all of it. Um, some, most, most in like little ways, some in great ways. So uh, yeah, I just can't, can't stop doing this at least yet in my life, right? Every time I do, every time I am, like I'm giving it up. I'm, it's over. No one cares, right? People don't need this anyways. I, uh, one of you out there, one of you fine folks out there finds a way to like slide in my DMs or come up in person or whatever and just tell me how much that this helps you, helps you and how much this has benefited you and how, you know, yada, 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 make me cry, make me cry, make me cry with your words, right? And it just pulls me back in, right? As soon as I thought I was out, pull me back in, right? I never really talked about it fully, but you know, I went to the Missouri Missouri Bertaria Festival, the first ever, 
Missouri Bertaria Festival. And on my drive out there, I listened to a few sermons and really started to like just kind of get convicted about giving up all this online stuff, you know, and just kind of focusing all my energy on like my life and my church and my community, right? Being on mission in like real life, not on the internet. You know, only to get to the festival and have like all these dudes, like a handful of dudes come up to me and thank me for what I've done, you know, and tell me like how much better of a man I've made them, you know, and how, how I've helped them grow closer to God and people tell me like, don't crush, keep going, you know, and, um, you know, even just one of the homies that I met broke down in tears, like literally <laughs> broke down in tears in front of me, you know, just like finally meeting me and being able to thank me in person. Um, and you know, just then like meeting so many of my internet friends and turning those once impersonal relationships into very real, physical, very meaningful relationships, um, was all I needed to realize that what I'm doing on here needs to continue, right? At least for the time being, at least for the time being, you know, when God calls me to end this and do something else, I will. <laughs> when I truly feel that God is calling me to end this and do something else, I will. Without hesitation, right? Without question. Without hesitation. But for now, this seems to be exactly what he needs from me. And for now, the show will go on, I guess, right? The show will go on. Until morale improves. <laughs> So just thank you. Thank you all for being here, watching or listening to me um, every week or at some point in the future. Y'all are truly amazing. And I'm glad that we are doing this together right now. And we'll continue to do this, at least for a while, at least for the time being. Um, my aunt, Aunt Debbie's in the chat. Oh, <laughs> seven's in the chat for my aunt, Aunt Debbie. Uh, keep up the good work, Sean Hart. Yeah, love you. And I can't make it this Thanksgiving, but I am going to be making it down on on uh, Christmas break to visit. I was just going to call you in the next like week or so and try to like finalize and arrange our plans. You know, finally, it's been it's been overdue, and I apologize. It's my fault. It's been overdue. I'm sorry. But in other news, more life updates. And then we'll get to kind of something I want to talk about that's a little deeper. In other news, my car keeps breaking down. So that's been another problem in my life. Another physical world, first world problem, right? It uh, now has like a pretty regular misfiring problem. And supposedly a catalytic converter that's corroded or broken or whatever, completely shot. So I am about to be buying that truck I've been putting off buying, right? In the next month or two before this completely explodes on me <laughs> just driving to church and having my car just explode on me you know um but i was just so close i just kept putting it off i was so close to getting out of debt like a fully so close guys and i'm gonna have to get right back into debt to take out a car loan and buy a new car um i was if i haven't told you this already if you didn't know this i was almost twenty-five thousand dollars in debt in 2019 and my credit score was 414 I don't have it with me to like post it for you guys. I do have a picture of it. In 2019, my credit score was 414. <laughs> like, there's bad credit scores. There's like really bad credit scores. And then there's like 414s where people are like, how is that even 
possible? <laughs> How is that? That's a joke. That's not even, that's a meme. How is that even possible, right? But that was my credit score in 2019 with 25, not, not exactly, but close to it, like the high 24,000s of debt in 2019. And now, a little over three years later, I am just under 2,000. I'm about 1,800 in debt total with a 685 credit score. So your boy climbed out of a hole, you know? Your boy didn't give up and he climbed out of a hole, right? And honestly, all thanks be to God because I, I wouldn't have done it without him for sure along the way. But I was wanting to get completely out of that debt. I was so close. I was like a couple months off of like finally getting completely out of that debt before I went more into debt and buying a new car, right? Taking on any new loans. Um, but my little Honda Fit, my little blue Honda Fit, the uh, girl car, according to the Bears <laughs> at the Barrettari Times Festival, who uh, either helped me get unstuck or saw me stuck in the mud, my tiny little Honda Fit at the Bertari Festival, pushing me out of the mud, making fun of my girl car, you know? Uh, my little Honda Fit has like 235,000 miles on it and I just keep having to fix it, spend like hundreds of dollars fixing stuff on it, buying new tires, buying new spark plugs, buying new brakes, buying, it's like I keep having to spend money on it. A catalytic converter that's supposed to cost $2,000 or whatever, maybe a couple hundred, Maybe, maybe like a thousand total if I do it myself, you know, just the money keeps adding up on it, right? And eventually it's going to explode. <laughs> so I am going to have to get out of it. It did move me to Nashville. I lived in it. I lived homeless out of this car for a couple months in 2020 on my homeless journey at the beginning of this stream series. So it is going to be hard to finally part ways with my girl, you know, my little girl car. But it has to be done soon before this uh for this winter you know it also just really is not fun driving up and down like icy hills in nashville snowy and icy hills in the winter in my little blue girl car getting stuck in the mud you know the bertaria time festival going job site to job site like construction site and getting flat tires <laughs> just banging busting it up like driving you know not Getting stuck in the mud, not having a 4x4, right? So I'm going to have to buy a truck that can actually like get me around where I need to go. And then be a useful tool to like help my friends move. Or help, you know, move some stuff for my friends when they need it. So, um, yeah. There's that. So close. So close to getting totally out of debt. I was going to do a stream about usury and debt, too. And uh, celebrate. But uh, that's not going to have to be put on hold, right? So also, on top of that, my apartment rent got raised by a significant amount. And I'm now on a serious mission to move even further outside of the city when my lease is now up in the spring. Gonna go try to land in a place where I can garden and grow some crops, either like on a balcony or in a garage or something. Or, you know, just like on the apartment complex premises, like some communal beds in the... Uh, communal area of the apartments or whatever, rent a house where I have a backyard, try to work my way out of debt still, start saving up for land, get on with making, growing, and collecting my own food and water. Um, just again, have to keep plugging away at these goals, not making any excuses along the way, staying positive and hopeful, 
and making things happen, not just dreaming for things to happen, right? Not just wishing for things to happen, but making things happen, right? That's how you get out of a 414 credit score and $25,000 in debt. You don't go, man, it'd be nice to win a lottery. <laughs> man, I, man, I made a lot of mistakes. Oopsies. No, you got to like not dream and not wish. You got to make it happen. You got to claw your way out. You got to sacrifice. You got to live with less, right? Get yourself out. Get yourself back on track, right? And with that, I wanted to share some slip ups I've had. Real talk time, honest time, honest Sean time. Some slip ups I've had in the last few years and last month. Tonight we talked about, you know, mistakes that people made during the COVID PSYOP and forgiveness. And with all that, I just feel led to share with y'all my failures, some sins, how wrong I have been at times and what happens as a result. Um, so if you knew me, if you know me, if you knew me, and also you could probably tell on my streams as it, as it, as it unfolded, but during the pandemic, you know, in the spring and summer of 2020, I did stumble a bit with controlling my anger. Um, got it under control now. <laughs> I got it under control now. <laughs> but I did. I spiraled a little bit, right? I got mad at churches for closing so quickly, so easily, without any fight, you know? Got mad at my family and my friends for just buying into these, like, obvious lies and just going along with the nonsense. Um you know, and some of these people kind of provoked it or I started it and then they retaliated and then I retaliated more, right? But it was, you know, just kind of turning nasty there when um, when people like me and others out there who kind of just stood our ground and refused to participate in the nonsense were just met with hostility and resentment and anger and death threats at times, you know? Calls for us to be put in internment camps and whatnot, you know? I just, I, I did overreact. I did get angry. You know, and I was mad at my fellow Christians. I was really mad at my brothers and sisters in Christ for being so scared of temporary problems and earthly struggles. And at times I was even mad at myself for being mad. You know, I would get mad at myself. Why are you so mad, you stupid idiot? You know, <laughs> and this anger, like my anger that I had for all during 2020 just led me astray at times. Although I never truly like lashed out or you know, at anybody or did anything really, truly like harmful or destructive, you know, the anger was just there and it was leading me away from God and towards myself and my own earthly concerns, right? I was focused on the things of this world and not on him and his right ways, truly and fully. But uh, yeah, this anger was eventually overcome with more consistent prayer, diving into the word of God more often and more intentionally. Uh, also found a couple found a couple Bible study groups uh, that really helped me overcome and rise up out of the mess of this world, right? Helped me fixate my eyes above and on eternity and not down here and on this stuff and on this mess, right? I joined a couple Christian men's groups locally and online. Um, one being the Legion of Bears. Shout out Legion of Bears. Um, men who just held me accountable and encouraged me heard me out and gave advice who were struggling with the same or similar things, you know, who could actually give like real authentic counsel from a loving place, from a true loving place, right? So yeah, shout out my Legion of Bears, shout out my bros, all the dudes out there, y'all watching might have been a part of that, you know, 
thank you for snapping me out of that. And uh, I'm going on about two years now, a year and a half now, just really being totally over my anger. It rises up every once in a while, you know, I'll get a little thought or something, but I usually kind of do a good job of catching myself and just being like, forgive them. Again, forgive them anyways. They know not what they do. Forgive them. Let it go. God's in control. <laughs> Fear not, you know. Don't go to bed with resentment for your for anyone. But I wanted to share this and dive into this and talk about this. Um, because more recently, just last month, I gave into the, into the temptations of Satan. The temptations of Satan last month. I had a very weak moment and used porn. So stupid. So stupid. Made me feel like such a failure. Because I had for six, for two years, I had successfully gone without it, right? was a porn addict from a very young age. I think it was second or third grade. Um, my whole life, just thought it was okay. It was cool. It was natural. It was healthy, right? God wakes you up. You start seeing, you start seeing it, how horrible it is in so many ways for you, for people in general, right? On a physical level, on an emotional level, on a spiritual level, it's just bad for you. And when you quit, especially like when you quit for a year or two, you start to lose that fog that it causes your brain, right? I mean, same with drugs, which I also quit. But um, yeah, I mean, over two years, almost three years, I was without it. And I just had clarity. I had my senses. I could look at women and just not think of them as objects, right? Like this, this is a precious gift. This is a gift from God, right? This is my likely a sister of mine, a sister in Christ, right? And uh, just things like girls wearing bikinis just became so jarring. Like just simple things that we don't think about because we're so used to porn. We're so used to sexual, like in your face things like in commercials and TV shows and movies. And if you're using porn, right, it's so blatant. When you just pull back from that, you know, you pull back from that, that stuff starts to really stand out. You start to really just oh, have sympathy and compassion for people and just pray for people a little more that they'll overcome what they're doing or, you know, recognize that what they're doing is not good for them and for others, right? But through absurd temptations and satanic attacks when I was dealing with all these problems and I was super stressed out and busy and getting just money problems thrown at me and a bunch of work thrown at me and friend drama thrown at me and you know super busy 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 and just Satan just bombarding me with temptation you know I um, held my ground for two years again through all this, similar attacks. But I failed. I gave in just last month. I think, yeah, second grade, I think, was when I uh, started. And for two years, I'd said no. And gave in. I'd even, you know, gotten to the point where I was counseling people. I was counseling my brothers and you know, my brothers in the faith locally and online, like people like you guys are probably watching, listening to this right now. People who are like my friends in my real life who probably don't even know I do live streams. <laughs> you know? And I'm counseling them on how to quit using it. You know, how harmful, how foolish it is, how destructive it is on a spiritual level, on an emotional level, on a physical level. Right. And at times like having an inflated ego about it, 
about how I had so easily quit, how successfully I had quit, you know, and how much better my life was after I quit using it, you know. And just hearing these like testimonies and confessions from my peers about their struggles with porn, right? How they just kept falling back into the same sin and they knew better, but they kept falling back into it anyways. And at times it would just make me feel like superior to them, right? Or just disappointed, like almost ashamed for them, right? Disappointed in them for like continuing to do what was so obviously wrong, what they knew was wrong, right? How can you keep doing it? You know it's wrong. And every week you come and you're like, you come back, you're like, I'm sorry, I know it's wrong, but I keep doing it. And it's like, it was tough for me to like not be like, come on, bro. <laughs> come on, dude. Stop being so weak. Stop being so stupid, right? Um, and then, you know, in a moment of weakness, just last month, from the, from the last time I recorded my last podcast on the stream to now, I fell for it. I fell back into it myself, right? Knowing full well how destructive it is to me intellectually, like like the knowledge of it, and then also just physically in my experience. Like I know what it was like when I was doing it and when I wasn't and how much better my life was without it. And yet I still fell back into it, right? Still tried to get away with it, with, you know, the, the temporary pleasure, the temporary pleasing of myself and foolishly thinking that it would just all be worth it somehow. I knew better. I knew better. And I still gave in, right? So, of course, immediately after, I felt guilty, felt ashamed. But also, you know, a few days later, extremely convicted and motivated to get back on with not doing this so obviously sinful act ever again. Like, ever, ever again. <laughs> like, not two years, not like reset the clock and do two more years, like ever, ever again, right? Which is what God wants from us. He knows we are not perfect and that we will fall short. When we give our lives over to Him and seek His righteousness, there will be failures, there will be defeats along the way. Um, we will still sin. If we deny that, we are liars, right? We will fall back into our old habits after encountering Christ and becoming transformed, right? And we will be imperfect because there was only one who was ever perfect, right? And we will also be determined at the same time to pick ourselves back up and carry on with the mission. Pick back up our cross and keep on carrying it. We will repent of what we did wrong and seek to instead be right and do right once more, right? Never giving up, never losing hope, Never staying where we were and lingering in that, right? Never lingering in that sin, but rising up out of it. Never giving up, never losing hope. We will never be Christ. <laughs> Sorry if that's breaking news to you, but you will not be a Christ ever. We will forever seek to be Christ-like, however. We will seek perfection, and although we will certainly fall short, we will still seek it anyways. That is the sanctification process, shedding our old ways and habits and replacing them with new acts of truth, beauty, and goodness. Uh, Romans 3, 22 through 23. Romans chapter 3, verses 22 and 23 reads, But it is the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all those who believe. For there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. 
There is none righteous. No, not one. Right? And that obviously includes this man speaking to you right here, right now. Me. Right? I'm not perfect. Far from it. You're not perfect. You're far from it. Every other person in your life, everybody on this earth, everybody in this realm right now, we are not perfect. There was only one, whoever was. And he died for us, right? That perfect life was sacrificed for us because we will never be perfect. The standard of God's glory is perfection, right? Oh no. <laughs> oh no. And that is only attainable. That standard of perfection is only attainable through the sacrifice of the one who was perfect, Jesus Christ, who went on that cross and died for us, right? And our willingness to accept that and believe that and then act accordingly, that is the free gift of eternal life in Jesus Christ, our Lord, right? That is now the salvation that is afforded to us, us sinners, right? And if we keep reading in Romans chapter 3, the next two verses, or the next three verses, 24, 25, and 26, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified as a gift by his grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus, whom God displayed publicly as a propitiation in his blood through faith. This was to demonstrate his righteousness because in God's merciful restraint, he let the sins previously committed go unpunished. For the demonstration of his righteousness at the present time, so that he would be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. So, going back to what we were talking about earlier in this stream, I do not deserve amnesty for my sins. Right? We don't deserve amnesty for what we knew to be wrong. I knew this was wrong and I did it anyways, right? It's so clearly wrong. I knew, I spent two years, over two years not doing it, right? Because I knew it was wrong. I said no to it. I knew it was a sinful act, right? And I didn't do it. And then I fell. And then I stumbled. And then I went back to my old ways, right? And do I just deserve amnesty for that? Does God just forget that even happened? Does that go unpunished? Right? Or do I do I deserve some kind of punishment? Right? I would say no. <laughs> I'm the I'm the guilty one, and I would still say no. Of course I don't. You know that's not fair. Um, I knew better. I still chose to do something evil. I'm not just excused from pleasuring myself at the expense of others. Right? Like my lusts, my dehumanizing thoughts are not just forget forgetting forgotten or forgiven <laughs> forgetting like a combination of those forgotten or forgiven by our creator just because i did it right it did harm me doing this act using porn it did harm me and contributed in a small way to the environment that is causing harm to so many people who've been tricked or you know even at times like forced to participate in uh the porn industry even if it's just a little tiny drop in the bucket, like I contributed to that, right? Um, and my behavior is not just excused or forgotten. It's not. It doesn't just go away. We don't just pretend it didn't happen, right? I don't get a free pass. I don't get amnesty for my crimes, for the bad things that I did that I knew were bad things. Or, you know, and 
our just and holy God should punish me, right? For my wrong, selfish, foolish decisions. Like a good judge would punish a criminal like me for what I did, right? But with a repentant heart, one that admits like, like I am right now, like I have for the last month, but I admit that what I did was evil and unrighteous. And I now choose to turn away from that sin and seek to never commit such a vile act ever again. Like truly, honestly, not just with my lips, but like with my heart, I am forgiven. And that is the beauty. That is the beauty of what Christ did for us, right? I am forgiven for by our Lord, by our Savior. And not just because he is righteous and merciful and loving, but because I am aware that what I did was evil and am actively choosing to turn away from this bad behavior and instead turn towards him, towards him in his right ways, right? Calling upon him for help, strength, wisdom, and conviction. Running towards him in my moments of weakness and failure. Running into his light, into his peace, his love, his truth. For he's the one who takes away shame. He's the one who takes away the guilt, right? Because he takes the punishment that we deserve for our many sins. Not just this one thing I did one bad one time, but all of the bad, all of the things. Either ignorantly done, all the sins that we commit out of ignorance, or the deliberate sins we commit because we think we can pull a fast one or get away with it or it's not that big of a deal, right? He takes the punishments for those many sins of ours. Um, with that blood that he shed for us on that cross. He took our place when we were yet still sinners, not after we cleaned up our mess and got our life together, but while we were still sinners. We were still sinners, and he died for us anyways. He didn't wait for us to get our act together, right? He sacrificed anyways so that we may be born again unto his spirit, overcoming our fallen state, and reuniting with our Father in heaven. When we humble ourselves before our God, not living in our own idolatry and arrogance and pride, but when we truly humble ourselves, lower ourselves down, sacrificially to our God, repent of what we have done wrong and turn away from our rebellion against him, he is good and just to forgive us. He will surely forgive us and welcome us back into his glorious eternal kingdom. The father always welcomes home the prodigal son, the repentant son returning home, right? and daughters, sons and daughters, and the heavenly choir, the heavenly choir rejoices when each individual soul turns away from a life in the darkness of this world and instead seeks an eternal life in the light of the Lord, right? God reminds us so often in his word, like so repetitively and so often, these three concepts, to get up, to have no fear and to remember three like if there's three themes of the bible <laughs> that god tells us over and over and over again to do these three things it's to get up have no fear and remember get up and get going in the direction towards god and his right ways when we stumble which we will all of us will we must get back up and get back to our mission get up right when we stray away, and we will stray away, right? Remember that mission and get back to it. Remember what he did for us and what he promises us. When obstacles stand in our way, have no fear. 
conquer them and carry on. Just keep crushing. Don't be scared, right? The mission before us is continual and never-ending, troublesome and difficult, punishing and rewarding, glorious and worth it. The journey is always tough. It is always tough. Each and every one of our journeys that we're on, they are tough. Don't let anyone tell you they're not, right? Don't let yourself tell you it's not. But the destination that lies at the end of it is beyond amazing. It's the most glorious thing possible. It's like the most unimaginably, unimaginably, unimaginably great thing. <laughs> Greatest possession you could have is entrance into the eternal kingdom, right? That is the destination that lies beyond our journey, our difficult, tough journey. So, you know, conclusion, I messed up big time. It took me a couple weeks to get over it, over the shame and the guilt, over the physical and emotional harm it caused. But at some point, we all need to just get on with overcoming it, right? Overcoming our shortcomings, our getting on with letting go of those losses, those defeats we have in the spiritual battle, and just keep on fighting, right? Keep on running that marathon that we all are on. Picking ourselves back up and continue on running that race that leads towards a place we were made to be in. The kingdom of heaven, reunited with our creator. Spiritually reunited with the one who made us and loves us and wants us all to be with him forever. So my uh, vow of chastity remains intact, thankfully. That would have been much worse. It would have been much, much more shameful if I broke that, right? Vow of Chastity remains intact. It's been over four, year, four years now with that. Um, and my sobriety is going strong. So I've been totally sober and tobacco-free now for over three years. So four years chast, three years sober, about three and a half years sober. Um, but that porn usage vow that I made has been reset. It, uh, it's no longer the years count. It's coming up on three years, but reset that. You know, it's been <laughs> the meme. The, it's been zero days since an accident, right, or whatever. Um, reset the clock. and We're now at about one month. Um, but we will make this one a forever count going forward. There will be no more. Keep that count going because it's happening every single day, right? We are going to make this a forever count. A never-ending promise of purity from this day on. Well, about a month ago from that day on. Unlike the other two vow categories that uh, could be rightfully absolved with like a marriage. Or um, when I passed the five-year mark. I mean, I made a, before God, I made a vow to be five years completely, totally sober. Or on my wedding night. My wedding night, I, saw, I made a vow, you know, kind of excuse myself where, yeah, well, if I get married, I'll have a, a glass of wine or two, right? Maybe a cigar with my bros on a bachelor, you know, my, my bachelor bros or something. But that's not looking like it's happening anytime soon. So uh, five years sober, I'm over halfway there, you know, until I get married, if I ever get married, I'll be chast. But that porn free vow is uh, reset. Totally reset. We're about a month month in now at this point. Um, I am, with all that being said, I wanted to replay this thing. I think I played it once or twice on my stream. It's just this awesome uh, clip from a pastor that eh, 
Not the greatest, but he has his moments. <laughs> he has his moments. Judah, I think his name's Judah Smith. His epic, like, uh, it's not even the full gospel um, sermon he gave, but it's kind of this, this cut, chopped and screwed, remixed version of a part of one of his gospel, one of his um, sermons. And we're going to watch that to close this stream out. So we'll end with that in a few minutes. Anyone here with like final last comments or questions, send them to me. A couple of people on DLive, a couple of people on YouTube, a couple of people on Twitch. I got more than one person on Twitch. That's weird. Shout out to the regular Twitch homie. Came back. Um, back to creeping, even after the long break. What's up, my Twitch, my Twitch handler? <laughs> What's going on? My aunt was watching earlier on Facebook. I uh, snuck my way back onto Twitter. <laughs> it doesn't show me how many people are watching, but maybe I have some watching over on Twitter. Um, I will be back next week and the week after. I am back, y'all. I'm back. We're doing it. I uh, have a couple good topics to cover for the next couple weeks, next two or three weeks. And then uh, I got some awesome guests lined up for December and January. And I'm um, getting more guests lined up. And then after that, I think in February, March, we're going to start diving into the book of Genesis. Like I keep mentioning and promising, we're doing it. Finally doing it. It's not going to be totally in order, but I'm going to start. We're going to go through Genesis just as much as it needs to be gone through. I know I kind of have a plan as to how to start it, and then we'll just like let it go where it needs to go, right? Not force anything, but I think I'm going to do the you know creation. So chapter one and maybe chapter two, the fall, right? So maybe the next stream will be like the fall, covering, you know, chapter three and four. And then, you know, just kind of maybe section things off like that. Maybe do a chapter or two, um, you know, maybe do like Lot's life. Maybe do like all of J Joshua's, or uh, Joshua. <laughs> yeah, Joshua. Joshua in Genesis, right? Um you know, just maybe like do like weird sections, not necessarily go like chapter by chapter. And then also it's just not going to be totally in order. I'm going to have some weeks where I take some breaks to have some guests on. I'm going to take some weeks to cover some other topics and stuff. But we're going to pretty much go through Genesis and I'm going to have it like separated as like a separate playlist on uh, my website and like on YouTube, the YouTube playlist things and whatnot. I'll keep rambling, rambling about this. But yeah, we're getting to it next week. I've been saying next year, I've been saying we're going to do it. We're finally doing it. I'm starting starting the preps for it now, my dudes. So again, thanks for being patient on that. Thanks for being patient for the last month, for me being gone and busy and messing up. And uh, thanks for forgiving me anyways for my sins. Um, so yeah, I'm going to be more active and consistent going forward. Again, sorry about that. Going to do some more of those uh, good news for my dudes, mini streams on TikTok and post them on my social media pages and on my website. Been slacking big on that as well. Not just my blogs and live streams, but my good news for my dudes clips. So um, yeah, be on the lookout for more of those. LibertyLinks.io slash Jonathan Corey has all my links and my social media pages and stuff. JonathanCorey.com also has most of my links and some extra content, some of my old podcasts and stuff I did. Um, I'm going to move all my blogs over there eventually when I stop being lazy because my blogs right now are at JonathanCorey.blogspot.com. Um, it has all my writings and ramblings there, but 
That's Blogger, which I think is owned by Google, which has uh, been known to censor and silence people, especially Christians. So I'm going to have to start finding a place to back up my blogs. Um, but for now, you can find those at jonathancorey.blogspot.com, libertylinks.io slash jonathancorey has all my links. Follow me on Gab, Instagram, TikTok, Telegram, all the places. Join the Discord. I did, like I mentioned, I did sneak back onto Twitter. Snuck my way back onto Twitter. And uh, <laughs> we'll see how long I last there on my seventh account. Or if uh, Daddy Elon is actually, like, based in Red Pill, like people say he is. And he's not going to censor. You know, we'll see about that. I'm not going to hold my breath on that at all. Um but you can find me on Twitter. I'm not really super active because I am kind of over Twitter. It's been like a year not being there. And it is pretty just degenerate and insane. <laughs> when you've had a deep breath of fresh air, it's pretty jarring how crazy Twitter is, you know. But there's some homies that are still there that I don't know are on other social medias. So it's good to be back on there and just chatting and conversing with the homies and evangelizing to the lost on there and now streaming. I got my stream apparently is working on there. So you can go to twitter.com slash Jonathan underscore underscore Corey. So there's two underscores, not just one. Jonathan underscore underscore Corey, right? You can catch my streams there. Tonight was the test run. It looks like it was working. And yeah, just follow me and hit me up on that. Just in general. Friend me, follow me, meme me, <laughs> mock me, make fun of me. I don't care. Um, but with all that, thanks for tuning in, y'all. Truly. Again, we're going to end with this clip. I think I have it ready to go. If not, I'll add it in later, and you guys here live aren't going to see it. But uh, we're going to end with this clip about Barabbas. Again, I think it's Judas Smith is the guy's name. Not the best preacher, not the most based, questionable prayers at best at times, you know. But uh, this one clip is just amazing. It just summarizes the gospel perfectly. And it's just kind of been on my heart and on my mind lately. And I want to share it. I think it's maybe the second or third time I played it on this on my streams. We're going to end with that. And then I'll see you back here next Monday night, 7 p.m. Central Time. The one true time zone, Central Time Zone. We're going to be back next Monday night. Definitely the next two Monday nights. I might take that third one off for Thanksgiving travel plans and stuff. But, um, yeah, just, well, I'm going to try to make it happen. I'm going to try, try to make it happen. If not, I'll let you know. Either way. But until then, make sure you go out this week and crush. As always, my dudes, go crush. Uh, seek and produce what is good, true, and beautiful. Do good, be good, love and be loved. I love you all. We'll talk soon. And I hope you like this clip. We see the story of Jesus going to the cross and to kind of be hand in hand. And then there's this one character that seems to interrupt the narrative. His name's Barabbas. We don't even know much about him except that he's a murderer, a leader of an insurrection, a rebel. And why he's even mentioned, sometimes I'm not so sure. It's like, what? Let's, this is about Jesus going to the cross. So in this moment, 
Pilate thinks, I hold the destinies of these two men in my hand. I know the Jews have a tradition that on a holy day, I will release one of the prisoners on death row. Pilate stands on this audacious stage who now presents Jesus, son of the living God, versus Barabbas, the thug and rebel. He says, all right, who do you want? This is blasphemy. This is, this has gone too far. There's no comparison. This is a rightful prisoner, a man who should be on death row. He's a rebel against Rome. He leads a rebellion. He murders people. He's a bad man. He's a thug and he's a crook. He deserves the chains and he deserves the crucifixion. Jesus, what has he done but heal, restore, deliver, set free, open blind eyes, open deaf ears, heal the lame and the leper? What, what has Jesus done? Who do you want? We want Barabbas. Yeah, give us Barabbas. People say, give us Barabbas. The Roman soldiers come up and they put the key in and they unlock Barabbas from his chains and shackles. And he walks down the platform, welcomed by all of his thug friends. Yeah, the people love me. Yeah, that's right. I don't even know who this Jesus guy is, but all I know is my people love me. There seems to be no conscience in Barabbas. And I owe you everything now, for you have set me free. No, I don't see any of that in Barabbas. God knew that. Jesus stood there, silent, for he knew the will of the Father. He said, it's fine, Father. Let him have Barabbas. For Jesus knew that the Father would have to treat Jesus like Barabbas so he could treat Barabbas like Jesus. Barabbas thought it was the people that set him free. No, 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 no. It was the love of the Heavenly Father. controlling you what are you gonna do I'm gonna shake myself free stop it no you won't you're no match for the
the powers of hell and the urges of sin will not overcome it and you will never overcome it. You'll just be another statistic. There's no answer within yourself. Your own merit, your own goodness, your own discipline, your own devotion will not save your marriage and will not save your kids. There's only one. And he's the one that took your place. He's the one that stood silently on the platform with Pilate and said, yes, let him have Barabbas. Take me. How many times have I stood on that platform with Pilate and Jesus and I'm the Barabbas and they start to take my chains off and I say, no, no, I deserve this. I deserve the guilt. I deserve the shame. I deserve the consequence. I deserve it. Jesus seems to look at me and say, no, son, let me have it. Let me have your sin. Let me have your pain. No, God, I did it to myself. I deserve it. My marriage won't make it. This is what I deserve. I deserve divorce. I deserve poverty. I deserve sickness. I deserve it all. No. God, I say, I'm so ashamed. Give me your shame. But God, what if I do it again? I'll still be here. Oh God, I don't want to hurt you. I love you. I, I don't want to do this anymore. Give me your sins. This is all we got. It's all I got. It's all you got. We can play games. We can play church games. We can pretend like some people are better than others and that's why they're blessed. Or we can all come to the honest conclusion that it's God. And it's God alone. The greatest challenge is not your discipline, your devotion, your focus. Your greatest challenge is believing the gospel. Could it be that there's a God with a love so scandalous, so wide, so deep, so vast, so high, so expansive, so welcoming, so inclusive. Let me have your sin, son. Okay. When I give him my sin, when I stand in this empty space of forgiveness and acceptance while Jesus walks off to the cross that I deserve, I see him, I see him walking to the post to be whipped. As I stand a free man, all the attention is turned now. And I feel the love of God saying, go son, live your life. I'll pay the price. Where did we get off thinking that we were going to set ourselves free? It's still Jesus. It'll always be Jesus. It'll never stop being the power of Jesus. If his blood is sufficient for your salvation, his blood is sufficient to sustain you through every challenge and every sin and every temptation. Jesus is enough.